Welcome back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we're going to be talking about overcoming prayer struggles. You know, let's face it. We all know we should be praying more, right? And we usually generally try to make that happen. But before we know it, the day's worries and demands often distract us from conversations with God. And then we're left wondering why we don't hear from him. It happens to all of us. So fear not. Our guest today, Asherita Chuchu, author of the upcoming book, Prayers of Rest, will be sharing with us the importance of not letting distractions pull us away from God. So be encouraged. You can overcome prayer struggles, which will help you develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. But first, a word from our sponsor. We still have our coupon code available for you guys if you wanted to do online counseling um, with Christian counselors. It's all online. It's via Zoom. You can pick who you want your counselor to be. Very reputable. They all have counseling degrees. So this isn't like some random on the internet. My mom kind of has a personal testimony to it. Yes. So I actually have done some counseling sessions with Faithful Counseling. And what I really loved about it was that you can actually put in like different qualities that you're looking for in a counselor and specialties, male, female, if they have experience tackling different issues. And so I really loved that idea that I could go through and kind of pick the one I wanted. And then um, during this COVID season, it was really applicable anyway, since I couldn't leave my house for counseling, that I actually could just do it online. And you even have the opportunity to do a Zoom type call with them, or you can just do um, a phone call, whatever works best for you. And so it was just really great to have access to counseling when you you need it, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if you guys want 10% off your first month of doing this, you can go to getfaithful.com slash coffee and Bible time and you get 10% off your first month. And of course it is cheaper than traditional in-person counseling anyway. So overall, it's just a good deal. We really recommend it. But let's just get on to the podcast. Oh, well, one other thing, too, is that you have the option of with your counselor that they are Christian counselors. And so if you want, they will actually pray for you, which I thought was so cool. At the end of each of my counseling, she prayed for me and my issues. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. Asherita Chuchu is a best-selling author, national speaker, and host of the Prayers of Rest podcast. She is the founder of One Thing Alone Ministries, an online ministry that helps women all over the world find joy in Jesus through creative and consistent time in God's Word. Asherita grew up in Romania as a missionary kid and studied English and women's ministry at Cedarville University. She is married to her high school sweetheart, and together they raise their three spunky kids in Northeast Ohio. 
Asherita is the author of several books, including the best-selling Advent devotional, Unwrapping the Names of Jesus. Her writing and speaking have been featured on Focus on the Family, Revive Our Hearts, Moody Radio, Relevant Magazine, Proverbs 31, and Mops International. Please welcome Asherita. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a joy to have you. I know I absolutely have loved your book, the Advent book, Unwrapping the Names of Jesus, and I actually highlighted it in one of our former podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an amazing writer and, and obviously have such a deep relationship with the Lord. So it's just a joy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm, I love what you and your daughters do, and it's so fun that we get to spend some time together today. Absolutely. Well, let's kind of dive in today. And I want to talk about just prayer overall, the big picture. And why, why do you think um, prayer sometimes feels so natural, it seems like for some people, Mm. yet is a struggle for others, even those of us that were raised in the church? Sure. Well, I mean, I grew up in a Christian family, so I can remember from young, young age, um, just knowing the importance of reading my Bible and praying every day. I mean, we had this little song with hand motions that went along with it. And so I knew that, man, this is an integral part of my relationship with God. Um, But I did get the sense that um, my prayers often felt stilted. And um, rehearsed sometimes. Sometimes it felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. And um, I grew up, as you mentioned, on the mission field in Romania. And it just seemed like some people had this direct line of communication with God. And it felt like God was so personable to them. And they prayed with passion and power and confidence. And I remember even as a young teenager, I was 13. When I was thinking, I want to pray like that. Um, And I wrote in my journal, um, just kind of appropriating the disciples' prayer, saying, Lord, teach me to pray. (laughs) Um, I kind of feel like I should be an expert at this by now because I've been doing it for so many years. And yet, um, even as a 13-year-old, I realized um, I'm missing out here on something that God has to offer us in prayer. Um, and over, you know, 20 years that have followed since then, the Lord continues to teach me how to pray. It's not an arrival as much as a journey, as cliche as that sounds. Um, but what I found is that prayer, much like any other spiritual rhythm or habit, um, it's something that comes with practice. The more we pray, the more confident we become in prayer. Um, the more time we spend talking to God about um, what's going on in our lives and, and being honest about hard emotions that we're struggling with or bringing to him a, a tricky relationship where there's tension and misunderstanding, um, the ins and outs of, of our daily lives, when we start weaving that into conversation with the Lord, or, or we start weaving conversation with the Lord into those daily moments, it starts to feel more natural. Um, and even now I'm, I'm 33, 34. I think I stopped keeping track of how old I am. I think once I hit 30, Uh, but even now I feel like God continues to teach me things about conversation with him. Um, and I look back at 13 year old me, um, 
with such compassion and, and really seeing that God had placed in my heart a desire to pray. And it's not that I'd been praying wrong. Uh, anytime we come to God with an open and honest heart that wants to please him, uh, scripture says those, those prayers are a pleasing aroma to him. So as we start out, I just want listeners to be encouraged. Um, there is no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He has flung open the doors of heaven. And we'll talk more about this in Jesus and what he's done for us. Um, so we can come to the father boldly and with confidence, knowing that he will receive us. And we get to continue to grow in that conversation with him day by day, year by year, until we finally see him face to face. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that your words are such an encouragement because it is, it is an area of struggle for a lot of people. I, I'm in a mom's group and I, and I see it year after year. So be encouraged. Um, but I'd like to take a step back and just talk about, you know, the main challenges that people in the 21st century face in prayer versus the first century Christians, like that they probably didn't have. So Mm. help us understand how we can overcome some of these challenges. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying that prayer would have been easy for first century Christians because I'm sure they faced their own unique struggles that we don't necessarily face today. Um, Few of us are being threatened um, with imprisonment or death or loss of our jobs because of our love for God and our commitment to follow Jesus. So that's a challenge that would have been unique to first century Christians that most of us in the Western church today do not face. But one thing that I think is probably one of the biggest struggles for 21st century Christians is distraction. We are a distracted people from the moment we wake up in the morning and our hand reaches over for the phone to the moment we fall in bed, exhausted, still with the phone in our hands until our eyes like finally shut. Um, there's just a constant bombardment of information, of entertainment, of um, things that are actually, we're we're learning recently, is changing the the makeup of our brains, the the chemistry, the, um, I, I mean, this is beyond my pay grade, but I read and I'm fascinated by how our attention spans are getting shorter because our brains are being trained to only pay attention to things in shorter and shorter increments. Um, And so our behavior during the day and other things that we might not necessarily count as prayer absolutely affects our ability to stay focused in prayer. And I see this in myself. Um, Again, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm saying I get it because I've struggled with this too. Um, And and I find myself like 45 seconds into my prayers and I'll be, you know, praying through whatever's on my heart that day. And then I remember like, oh, I need to pull the meat out of the freezer for dinner and defrost. And I need to switch the laundry over. And, oh, there's that text message I didn't respond to yet. And Mm -hmm. friend's birthday is next week and I need to buy her something. What should I get? And so I jump on Amazon really quick just to, you know, for a minute, look for something and then I'll go back to praying. And 45 minutes later, here I am. And I have not prayed. (laughs) So I get it. I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, a study by Crossway in 2018 showed that the number one obstacle to a thriving prayer life is distraction. We get distracted. 
uh, whether it's by our phone's notifications or just our own thoughts that are distracting. And so we'll talk more about how to deal with distraction in prayer, but um, we at least need to be honest about it to say that this is a struggle that is pretty unique to our generation, um, to those who are living in 2022 and beyond. Um, and so we need to be aware of it when we come into prayer and not compare our prayer lives to the lives of Christians who lived a hundred years ago or 500 years ago, right? It's so easy to romanticize people who woke up before dawn to spend three hours in prayer, not really mindful of like, oh, well, you know, some of them had maids that made their beds and brought them breakfast <laughs> and, and they lived some of these people that we idealize lived a different lifestyle than we do. And so instead of comparing, instead of, again, feeling guilty and ashamed, let's look at Jesus' invitation to us and take him up on that and see how does that look like for our lives today? Because Jesus' invitation from Matthew 11 is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. And he looks at the people who were following him, who were busy and frazzled and carrying heavy burdens, just like you and me today. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and so, and you will find rest for your souls. That is what Jesus wants to offer us. And it's going to look different for us than it did for our great grandmas, than it will for our great grandchildren. Uh, but we can still experience a thriving prayer life with God today. Yeah. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yes, we absolutely can. You know, um, I completely agree. We have so many distractions and things um, in media and all the things that are going on in our lives. And I think back to even like women, let's say, in the times where, you know, you had to actually go out, they probably actually did have a lot on their minds, like if they had to go out and catch the food and clean the meats and prepare the food and they had so many less, um, you know, kitchen equipment, if you will, than what we're used to. I mean, it was like an all day affair, just feeding their families. And Mm -hmm. so I can imagine on some degree, um, they had distractions as well, but we are completely bombarded, um, for sure. 
Hey, this is Mentor Mama, and I have an incredibly practical tip for all our listeners. With over 130 orders I've already placed on Instacart, I can't tell you enough how much I absolutely love Instacart. If you hate going grocery shopping or always end up coming home with way more items than were on your list, which of course blows your budget, then Instacart is for you. I actually save both time and money using Instacart. I save time shopping because the app keeps track of all my regular purchases, making each subsequent order super fast to enter on my app. I also save time by avoiding checkout lines and driving to and from the store. In addition to saving time, I have saved so much money because I don't get seduced by every new flavor or product on the shelf. My grocery bills have been considerably less. So, if you want to make shopping easy, get delivery via Instacart in as fast as one hour, and get your first delivery free, click the link in our description and start today. Well, let's talk about, um, for people who maybe say, you know, one of the struggles that I have is that I just don't even know what to say in prayer. Um, and, and maybe they have actually prayed, but they don't feel like God is listening. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so a few things with this one, my encouragement just off the bat would be tell God what's on your heart. I think sometimes we have this, again, ideal of how we think our prayers should sound based on maybe what we hear from the pulpit or what we imagine prayer warriors, prayer like, and um, we think that our prayers are somehow less than, but prayer is at its most basic, a conversation between us and our heavenly father. And there's time for us to talk to him. And there's time also to be still and listen to what he has to say to our hearts. Um, And again, we can talk more about what that looks like practically, but if you're feeling like, I just don't know what to say, um, just start with whatever you're thinking. And this, you know, we referenced earlier being distracted in prayer. This is something that I actually found so helpful once I changed the way I thought about distractions. So I'm here, I'm praying. Um, I love to pray scripture. That's another way that I think it just, um, helps give us a vocabulary of worship is looking at um, you know, a verse or two from the Bible and saying, what does this tell me about God? What can I praise him for? What does it show me about me, about my need for him? Uh, what can I confess? Where do I need his forgiveness and his help? Um, so I love praying scripture and that's the way I formatted my, my prayers of rest book is everything is praying scripture and training you how to do that. Um, but say I'm sitting down, I'm, I'm praying scripture and here we are 45 seconds in, or maybe it's a good day and it's, you know, four minutes into my prayer time. Um, and I get distracted by, um, oh yeah, my daughter's kindergarten teacher is going out on maternity leave and I need to make sure that I get her that gift card that I bought her before it's too late. And here I go on this rabbit trail of um, distraction and worry and and wanting to not forget something. So two things that are helpful with that. One is um, I love to have like a little sticky note next to me when I pray or my planner or agenda, and I will write those things down. (laughs) So if something comes to mind that I have to get done, 
um, by writing it down, I release it mentally. And so it, it actually is amazing how quickly my brain will settle down because I know I can come back to it. I won't forget because I wrote it down. So that's one thing. The second thing is um, instead of being frustrated by that distracting thought, it then becomes a prompt to pray. Um, and so if you're wondering, like, what do I pray for? Um, sit down and start praying. And then those thoughts that distract you, like those can become your prayer. And so I can start by thanking God for my daughter's kindergarten teacher, and I can pray for her labor and delivery. I can ask for God's protection over her and her baby. I can praise him for the ways that um, he used this teacher in my daughter's life to teach her how to read, to give her a love of reading and writing. Like this thought that uh, 10 years ago would have brought me so much guilt of like, why can't I just stay focused in prayer? I'm trying to pray scripture here, right? Like, why am I distracted by all these thoughts? Now this becomes a prompt from the Holy Spirit to bring this teacher in prayer. And there might be no one else praying for her, or maybe there are a lot of people praying for her. I don't know, but God works in such a, an incredible way that when we look at these distracting thoughts, um, as his prompts to, to pray about these things, um, it actually makes prayer more natural. Um, and so I can pray for her. And then when I've entrusted her into God's care, I can come back to praying scripture and continue with the rest prayer format that I love to use. And then I, I, I keep going and I'm praying. And then I, I remember something else that pops to mind that, oh man, yeah, I need to get that thing done. And then I can pray about that too. I make a, I jot a note in my planner and I go back to praying scripture. Um, we'll talk about how to pray the rest way, how to pray God's word and rest in his promises. Um, but if, if that's where you're at right now and you're like, I just don't know what to pray, just start somewhere and then continue bringing everything that comes to mind, continue handing it over to God. Um, you'll be amazed how much time you can spend in prayer when you're free to pray about whatever comes to mind. Oh, yes, I love that. <clears throat> Your um, suggestion about the sticky notes too. I have something that I call the brain dump, um, which is just basically, you know, a little um, legal pad that ha I put things on exactly the same thing. And it mm -hmm. does definitely release it from, from your mind for sure. And I regarding what to pray to i remember i had a discussion um with a friend a long time ago when i struggled with that and it was just uh as you said at the beginning you know it's just as if you were talking let's say to your own father or mother and tell, telling them about your day or your struggles and asking um sort of developing that uh relationship so uh, for those of you that may be struggling in that area, the what, um, rest assured that it can just be a conversation with God. Now, I'll also add something, Ellen, here, because mm -hmm. for a long time and still, I mean, honestly, I'm still uncomfortable praying out loud by myself. Like, I have no problem praying out loud with other people. But praying out loud when it's just me and God, it still feels kind of awkward to me. Um, and so one thing that I've found helpful is to write out my prayers uh, because that doesn't feel awkward. <laughs> like I, I know God hears it either way. 
Um, and so one thing that I'll encourage listeners to is to experiment with creative ways to pray, um, pray out loud. And if that just doesn't feel natural to you, try writing down your prayers. And if that still doesn't feel like it's a good fit for you, maybe go for a prayer walk. Like some people need to be moving their bodies as they talk to God, instead of being stationary, try different postures, try different expressions. Um, try praying the Psalms or praying. I love the Valley of vision as a collection of Puritan prayers. Try using other people's prayers as a prompt to then start praying in your own words. Um, there's no right or wrong. When we come to God with a sincere heart that seeks him, um, he will be found by us. And so rest assured that there is freedom in praying in creative ways in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen to that. You know, you saying that too reminds me of when you're reading the Psalms, you can actually too just insert your your own name in different spots and it makes it just so personal as if you were talking to the Lord. Well, as people may be listening to this and are, are sort of uh, potentially just getting going and learning how to pray, um, why do you recommend starting small when growing a mm. prayer habit? Like, how do we get into this habit of prayer? And, um, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves that it sh we should be praying an hour a day or something like that. Tell us about your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm so all or nothing. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all the way and I'm going to do it the right way. And somewhere along the lines, I had picked up this ideal that good Christians pray for an hour a day. And so that's what I have to do. Right. That's the measure of success or faithfulness. Um, and it, again, just in recent years, continuing this prayer, right? Lord, teach me how to pray. I've not stopped praying that for 20 years. Um, and what I found recently is um, we've made just groundbreaking discoveries in brain science and how God has created our brains and, and wired those synaptic connections in our brains to create habits. And what we found is that if we want to start a new habit, we're much more likely to be successful if we start with something small, something tiny, because it lowers our brain's perceived resistance to that thing. Um, and there's a Stanford University research professor called BJ Foggs, who did a lot of research on this. He calls it tiny habits. And the example that he's used is with flossing your teeth. So if you do not have the habit of flossing your teeth and you want to develop the habit because you know it's good for you and you know all the different reasons you might have, there still might be a, a resistance, a perceived resistance in your brain that it's like, oh, I don't feel like flossing my teeth. It's 10 p.m. And you know, I can just brush it and call it a day. So what Dr. Fox did is um, he broke it down into what he called tiny habits. So instead of feeling like I need to floss all my teeth, he said, why don't you start by flossing one tooth, which feels ridiculous, right? Like what good can flossing one tooth do? Like, will the other ones just rot. Um, but in this experiment, what he did with students and over years of research is if you take the habit you want to develop and break it down into its smallest increment, um, suddenly 
the brain is like, oh, I can do, I mean, I can floss one tooth. That's going to take all of like three seconds. It's fine. And, and you floss that tooth and you can mentally put a check mark that you've done it. But chances are, if you're there flossing one tooth, once you start, there's this momentum where you're like, well, I might as well floss two teeth and I could just finish the bottom row. And, and you're already moving toward this development of the habit. But even if you only just floss one tooth, you've done that thing. You're creating a stronger connection in your brain that after I brush my teeth, I floss a tooth. And, and you do that enough times that repeated action becomes automatic where suddenly flossing one tooth is your default. That's what you do. But now you're going to floss more teeth. Now you're going to floss the whole bottom row. Maybe in two months, you get to the point where you're flossing your teeth every night and you're not even thinking about it. But because you started tiny, you started small, you're actually working with the way God created your brain instead of fighting against it. Um, especially when it's something where we feel like, oh, I should do this good habit. I just don't have the motivation. And every time I try to start, you know, I get a few days in and then something comes up and, and I'm just not consistent. I hear that so many times when it comes to prayer and Bible study, like I start strong, but I'm not consistent. And so we can take the same principle of tiny habits and apply it to spiritual habits, to ways that we can grow closer to the Lord to say, okay, maybe ideally we want to get to an hour of prayer maybe not. I mean, that's another conversation, <laughs> but if your goal is to be praying and talking with the Lord more consistently, let's start tiny. How about we start with a one minute habit? Um, one minute of prayer. Everyone has time for a minute of prayer. Um, and, and something else with, um, the, the, habit formation, what we're learning about the brain and, and how it works is when you link that tiny habit to something you're already doing, it's a stronger connection in the brain. So kind of like flossing that one tooth after you've brushed your teeth. If you're already brushing your teeth, that's established. You link your new tiny habit to it. So what I encourage readers and, and people in my online community to do when they're starting a new prayer habit is think of something you're already doing, right? Do you love making coffee in the morning? Is that your thing? Will you not like start your day until you've had coffee? Well, then link your prayer habit to making coffee. And, and as soon as you start the coffee maker or you're doing your pour over or however you like to have your coffee, that is your brain signal that it's time to pray and pray for a minute. We can pray the rest way. You can pray, just praise and worship. You can just tell God what's on your heart You can tell God about the dream you had last night. <laughs> however, you want to start that conversation, start tiny, but create that tiny habit that's linked to something you're already doing. And then the more you do that, you do that for a day, you do it for a week, you do it for a month, maybe you miss some days, but you're more consistent than not with your one minute prayer habit. Over time, what's going to happen is you're going to lose track of time. And that minute is going to become two minutes and five minutes and 10 minutes because you've developed momentum. You've started talking to God. And, and now you want to tell him all of the things. And, and that has worked in my life not just with prayer, but with Bible study, with intercession, with fasting, with 
all these different spiritual disciplines that had seemed so difficult for me to incorporate into my life. Once I kind of ran them through this lens of tiny habits, um, it became so much easier to become consistent. So that's what I recommend um, for those who are, are not in the habit of talking with God is start tiny and link it to something you're already doing. Um, and why not have five tiny prayer habits throughout the day, right? Instead of feeling like I need to pray for this hour chunk in the morning before the rest of the world wakes up. How about if you prayed for five minutes while you drink your coffee and then five minutes on your commute to work and then five minutes when you walk the dog and five minutes when you're brushing your teeth at night or you're washing off the makeup on your face. When you link prayer to habits that you have throughout your day, you kind of weave in conversation with God throughout your day. You'll be more consistent. And two minutes here and five minutes there and three minutes over there add up to a lifetime of being in conversation with God. That is so beautiful. You know, um, I didn't know the brain science behind what you just described, but I actually do that with exercise because sometimes mm -hmm. like I know I need exercise and sometimes I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to do five minutes. Like that's all I got in me. And inevitably, every time I do five minutes, of course, then I keep going because it's just that mental block to try to get you kind of past that. Um, but the, that's amazing tips. And you know, it it brings to my mind that there, are, I actually have um, ADHD and I struggle so much with keeping focus. And I love your suggestion about breaking it up throughout the day because some people, their brains just don't work that way. like for sitting for long periods of time and trying to stay focused is, is, is extremely difficult. And so I think that that is a fabulous suggestion, even, you know, when you wake up in the morning before you go to bed at night and, um, those other suggestions that you had are just fantastic. Um, I want to sort of shift gears for a minute and talk about, you know, one of the methods that you suggested in helping you with prayer is knowing the names of God. How can knowing the names of God sort of change how you pray? Yeah, this is something I stumbled on um, when I was wrap when I was writing unwrapping the names of Jesus, my Advent devotional, um, because again I'd grown up in the church and I was familiar with the idea that there are different names by which God has made Himself known in in Scripture. Um, but I don't, you know, if hard pressed, I don't know that I could have told you what line of Judah means, you know, like, yeah, we call Jesus line of Judah, but what's the significance of that? And, and what about Alpha and Omega and Emmanuel? Um, all these beautiful names that when I sat down to study them, um, it really felt like each name individually was a gift, a way of describing, um, a different facet of God's character. So kind of like, um, you know, if we have any listeners who are recently engaged, there's that uh, brilliant cut diamond in your setting. And it, it just the way it catches the light and the refraction, that rainbow that it casts, um, every different 
cut of the diamond reflects a different color of the rainbow. And in, in the same way, I think when we study God's various names, we see different aspects of who he is and who he's revealed himself to be. Um, so again, there's no right or wrong. I'm not saying you have to use a different name of God every time you pray. Um, but what I have found in my own life is that when I, um, I've, I've just found such comfort in praying God's different names for different situations. Um, so if I'm going through a time where there's just a lot of anxiety and I mean, just everything happening in the news lately and, and the unrest on a global scale and, and wondering what does this mean economically? And there are listeners who are wondering, can we afford a house and how are we going to pay the medical bills? There just seems to be so much weight. Um, I love praying Psalm 46 when that God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in time of trouble. So just meditating on that name, refuge. God is our refuge. What does that mean? Uh, what word picture does that paint about God? And, and how can I draw strength from that in this situation that I'm in? And what does that reveal about my own need? Am I running somewhere else for refuge? <laughs> am I trying to find protection? Or am I trying to avoid my problems instead of running to God, the only one who can truly provide that protection and that refuge that I'm looking for? Um, so this is a great way to pray God's word when you don't have the Bible in front of you, right? So again, I'm a big fan of praying God's word, praying scripture. Um, I think it corrects our view of God. It corrects our theology. It gives us a vocabulary of worship. But if I'm in the car driving home from grocery shopping, I'm not going to pull out my phone to look something up because that would just be dangerous. But I can think about what situation am I facing right now that's um, causing anxiety in my heart. And then what is the name of God that matches that, that I can rest in? Um, and, and what I found so powerful, um, again, just in the last two years or so, is praying in preparation for those situations that I might not be facing today, but I know they're coming. Um, and this is where even praying the names of Jesus, there, there are 20 names in the Advent devotional, which can be prayed any time of year, right? Um, Jesus says the lion of Judah, the protector, the one who stands against the enemies and those who are behind him are safe. Um, praying Emmanuel, God with us, that we are never alone. We are never abandoned. It doesn't matter who turns their back on us. Emmanuel means God's commitment to his people. And, and in Jesus taking on flesh, He's never not going to be human. <laughs> like, this is an eternal commitment that God has made to us because Jesus took on flesh. And so praying those names on, I'm going to use like air quotes on good days, um, just prepares my heart. It gives me that vocabulary to, to learn how to address God as the one he's revealed himself to be so that on those bad days, when I feel like I have no words, 
when nothing comes to mind, I've already primed my heart. I've already prepared by, by reciting God's names. And so they're quick to be on my lips um, because the Holy Spirit has made that commitment that he will teach us, he will guide us, he will counsel us. And so when we hide God's word in our hearts, when we meditate on his names, when we rest in his character, then in those difficult situations, the Holy Spirit has committed to bring those back to mind and to give us language of prayer. And here is like, the absolute most incredible part is that even when we have no words to pray, God is committed to us and the Holy Spirit will intercede with groanings when we yes. groan, when there's, there's nothing. There have been those moments, Ellen, there was one time two year, two weeks into the lockdown when I was on my laundry room floor, just repeating over and over again, I can't do this. I was in the middle of a panic attack. I'd never experienced a panic attack. And it felt like my body was betraying me. And, and he, I had spent a lifetime praying and studying the Bible and knowing things about God. And yet in that moment, there were no words to pray. The only thing I could say over and over again, I can't do this. I don't know how we're going to make it out of this. This is so dark. I can't do this. And in that space of darkness, the Holy Spirit, those words from Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And my response was, I can't do this. <laughs> and God's word spoke louder. God is our refuge and strength. And over about 15 minutes, um, my I can't do this got quieter and quieter. And God's promise that he is the refuge and strength and ever present help in time of trouble. His promise grew louder and louder until finally my body had calmed down. My mind had calmed down. My heart had calmed down and I could rest in the assurance of who God was. There are times when you will not know what to pray. And in those times, rest assured, that the Holy Spirit himself is praying for you. And also Hebrews 4 says that Jesus lives to always intercede for us. Jesus himself is praying for you. And so you can rest in the promise of his love. Yeah, Sharita, thank you for being so vulnerable. And, you know, what you shared is true for so many people just in so many different ways we get to spots of just deep sorrow or, or darkness in our life where we feel that way and um, if, if you're listening today and you're in that moment um, it's this is just something that's normal it's not something that anybody wants to go through but just as Asherita said um, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us and and it's okay that you don't have the words to say we can trust that god is working even when we can't feel it um and as a follow-up to ashri to talk about um, the names of god i do have a couple good resources i'll be sure in the show notes to put ashri's book that has the names of God in her Advent book. And then also I have a couple other books that, that I, I absolutely love too, that will teach you the names of God and the meanings behind it that will help assist you in your prayer time as well. 
It's here, and we are so excited. Our new Patreon online community is finally open, and you're invited to join us. Your support is so appreciated and important. In fact, it's what allows us at Coffee and Bible Time to continue on with our ministry. We thank you in advance for your support. Well, um, kind of just in wrapping up here, Asherita, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jesus and how he really was the role model of prayer for us. What can we learn from him? Yeah, um, in preparing to write Prayers of Rest, the um, daily prompts to slow down and hear God's voice, I spent some time looking at Jesus's prayer life in the Gospels. And, um, you know, his response to the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray, was to give us the prayer that starts our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. And so he provides a model for us to follow in, in how to pray. And yet also when we look at his life and we look at how he talked to the father, how he prayed, um, we see that indeed there are times when he pulls away for, um, secluded time with the father. Um, this comes typically either right before for or right after a really intense season of um, ministering to people. Um, it, there's another moment that I just feel so seen when I read this. Um, Jesus had sent out his disciples um, to proclaim the coming kingdom of God. And they come back, they're so excited about um, the miracles that God was doing through them. And Jesus rejoices with them in that and tells them rejoice that your name is written in heaven. It's not about your performance. It's the fact that you belong to the father. Like that is what we rejoice in even more than all these exciting ministry things. Right. But then he turns to them and, and seeing their exhaustion, he says, come away with me for a while and get some rest. Let's go to a secluded place together and let's just rest. And um, they can't even do that because there are thousands of people that are now flocking them. And that's then follows as the feeding of the multitudes, the multiplication of the bread and the fish. And yet right after that, we see that Jesus sends the disciples off and he retreats up on the mountainside to pray. He needs time to be with the father. He needs to process what just happens. He wants to praise the father for the ways that he has miraculously provided for all these men, women, and children. He's in prayer for the disciples, for, for what they experienced and what has yet to come. And chronologically, he's then going to walk on water, um, resulting in the disciples saying, truly, this is the son of God. There's so much happening. And yet in the midst of this narrative, Jesus is pulling away to be with the father to talk with him, to process with him. Um, we know that Jesus prayed the Psalms. We see this multiple times, but especially on the cross, that um, the Psalms are not just prophetically pointing to the Messiah, but they would have been Jesus's vocabulary of prayer. Um, and so when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a quote from a Psalm, but that's not where it ends. It ends with, 
um, I entrust myself to you, which is where Jesus ends his, his words on the cross into your hands. I commit my spirit. So in a time when even words failed to Jesus, he, he doesn't necessarily pray spontaneously on the cross. He's praying the Psalms. Um, the Psalms are acting as a guide uh, to, to give him language to process the grief and the heaviness and the turmoil. And so we can do that too. We can turn to the Psalms when we don't know how to pray. Um, in, in the book, I have a section of 50 prayers for every emotion, and it's mapping the emotional wheel that we experience onto the Psalms and saying, where can we find uh, bitterness or anger or celebration or loneliness uh, or sleeplessness? Where can we find these in the Psalms? And can these give us language to pray? Because that's how Jesus prayed. And then we see also just spontaneous prayers uh, that Jesus prays at the tomb of Lazarus. Father, I praise you that you're going to do this. And it's not because of me, but because of the people who are here. And so I'm just going to thank you for that in confidence, in trusting your faithfulness, that you are who you say you are. You're going to do what you said you will do. And there's this heart of joy and trust in Jesus in these spontaneous prayers as well. So there's just so much that we can glean from the way that Jesus talked with the Father and also modeled for us. Um, one of the most beautiful prayers is in John 17, his high priestly prayer, when he, he has this honest conversation with God about what he had accomplished in his ministry and then entrusts his disciples to the Father because he knows what's coming next. And there he also prays for you and me. He says, I pray not just for these disciples, but for those who will believe because of their testimony. God, would you keep them in unity? Would you draw them close to you just as you and I are one? Would they be one? Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but it's just such a beautiful way to see Jesus talking with his father and then offering us kind of a roadmap, a way that we might continue to learn and grow, not just by praying our father in heaven, uh, but building a rich your prayer life from there yes oh the actions the words of our lord and savior indeed are the role model that we have and we have it in god's word and i just want to encourage our listeners to as you read the bible and you learn these different things um you know make a mental note of how Jesus did use prayer and even though he was he is part of the tri triune God as a human being he did take time for prayer and meeting with his father through prayer tell us how people can find out more information about you and your podcast and your book. Sure. So, um, everything prayers of rest is at prayersofrest.com. Uh, you can find the book there. You can find the podcast linked there. The podcast is called prayers of rest. Uh, every week we share a 10 minute guided prayer to help guide you into God's presence and resting with him. Uh, we also have a challenge that's happening in the month of May called uh, Resting in God's Promises. It's a five-day invitation to pray God's promises, to, to rest in his power when we rest in him. So you can find information about that also at prayersofrest.com. Wonderful. 
Well, before we go, I want to ask you just a, some of our favorite Bible study questions. Um, what Bible do you use and what translation is it? Sure. I use the She Reads Truth Bible and it's the Christian Standard Version. Um, and I love that it has wide margins for taking notes. I tried my hand at like coloring and drawing stuff and God has just not gifted me that way. <laughs> so <laughs> most of the margins are filled with just me taking notes about what I'm learning about God or, or what I'm uh, bringing to him that day. Oftentimes I'll write the date in the margin and just write a prayer of rest in the margins there. And so it's become a beautiful journal of God's faithfulness at work. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Yeah. So um, I use these pens. I bought a pack of them. They're called Pilot GTEC C4, um, which makes me sound really nerdy, but they're the type of pen that I love to use. It doesn't bleed through the page of my Bible. And it's also a very thin um, line, the, the point four. And then I love using mild liners for underlining in my Bible. Um, in fact, I have a chart in the back of my Bible that has a different color for different themes. So I'll use yellow for God's character and I'll use uh, blue for God's promises. And so as I'm reading scripture, it helps me pay attention to have my mild liners and my pen in hand. And I'm just underlining, what is this telling me about God? What does it tell about his commitment to his people? Um, it's just such a beautiful way to engage scripture. Oh, I love that idea. We will put links to both of those in our notes. And lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Hmm. Um, well, I, I'll say this is more of a prayer app. Um, I've been using the app called pray as you go, which was an inspiration for prayers of rest. Um, it's from our Anglican brothers and sisters. So a little bit different from my church tradition as I grew up, but that was, uh, God used that in a season where I felt so far from him and, and feeling like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. Uh, it, it's a, a daily guided prayer, um, and a time of reflection. And so from that, I kind of took that and adapted it for prayers of rest based on scripture, bringing us into God's presence. Uh, but the prayers you go app, I'll still occasionally go back to it. And it, it's just such a wonderful way to remind myself that, that God is wherever we go. We can talk to him all the time. Oh, excellent. I haven't heard of that one before, so I'll have to check that out. Well, Asherita, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your insights on prayer and all that you're doing through your various ministries to advance God's kingdom. Thank you so much for having me. It was my joy to be here. Oh, and for our listeners, I would just encourage you to pick up a copy of Asherita's book called Prayers of Rest. You'll find the link in our show notes, and you can head over to our blog where you can share your comments with us on how you tackle your struggles with prayer and what you do to slow down and make intentional time to rest in God's presence. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all and have a blessed day.